This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. No, Castillo was on the mound for the final out, but the guy that threw the first pitch for the Rays is the story of the game. Even though one of his teammates went oppo twice, that would be Brandon Lau, who single-handedly got the Rays back into the fall classic against Keys Dodgers. We're coming to you this morning, as we do every weekday morning, from Lower Manhattan, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Jay's got a little bit of a tooth ailment. He will be back. Soft. A-S-A-P. S-O-F-T, A-S-A-P, J, if you're Duke listening. Duke guy, soft. <laughs> Basketball players, right? Football dude. Football dudes are a little bit tougher. Who am I? I used to put on makeup for a living for 20 years as a man. So that's a little bit different. You guys got the toughness on me for sure. So Brandon Lau, tough as could be. Dodgers, the lineup. Could it be a sweep? Key said his Dodgers would win in five. The Rays fight back off day. Game three tomorrow, pregame 730 on ESPN. All the credit in the world to Brandon Lau, who'd been massively struggling. But... Blake Snell, the 2018 AL Cy Young Award winner. This won't go down in the annals as one of the great World Series games ever pitched. This isn't Jack Morris going 10 innings in Game 7 of the 1991 World Series because Blake Snell last night only went four and two-thirds. Technically couldn't even pick up the win because he couldn't go five innings. But key, in that time, he struck out nine. He was incredible, really incredible down the stretch. His manager, Kevin Cash, said what he did set us up offensively to surge, but his pitching was terrific. Four and two-thirds, we'll talk about his performance and the real turning point in game number two with our Jessica Mendoza coming up in just about 10 minutes, ESPN Baseball Analyst. Key, what did you see last night? Exactly what his manager said. He set him up, and they, they backed him up by getting the runs and doing the things that they needed to do because the nine strikeouts he was dealing and I joked about putting salt on a snail and watching it bubble. That's <laughs> something that we should have did to him before the game. Now, he's a terrific pitcher, all right? He knows how to pitch and deal. But I think if we got, as we started to get into that fifth inning as a, an offensive team, we started to hit a little bit better. We started to get into our groove, but he got out in front of us. And when he got out in front of us, he gave us nothing hit. I almost thought it was going to be a no-hitter situation for a minute there. And then I said, well, you know what? They're probably not going to go long with him. He started to shake a little bit in that fourth inning. We started connecting a little bit. We started touching the, the ball, started touching the bats, and then they made the decision to remove him, and then that's when we kind of got going, but it was a little too late at that point. And speaking of touching them all, Brandon Lau touched them all twice, opposite field twice. Brandon Lowe. <laughs> you want him to be I low. I want him to stay low. But he rose high. By the way, he had entered. You want to speak of low? You want a low batting average? Brandon Lau was batting a low, 107 in the postseason. He was 6 for 56 in the playoffs and then had the two biggest hits right now of the World Series. First player in World Series history with two opposite field home runs in a single game. That's incredible. Again, batting 107 coming in. He makes $1.5 million. There are many people believe you he's the that. best. I do love that. <laughs> One day maybe I'll – no, I won't. Um, but he was 6-56. Uh, for 56. He makes $1.5 mil, as I mentioned, and many people believe he's actually the best hitter on the Rays. They are doing more with less better than anybody in all of Major His League money time baseball. will come for sure. I mean, this happens, right? He's, he's on this deal, and he continues to knock him out the park like that. Whether it's the Rays or somebody else, he'll get his payday. 
There's no question about it. Plenty of guys have left the Rays to get that payday. Evan Longoria and others. We've seen it. David Price, you name it. Keyshawn J. Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. That includes UFC President Dana White coming up at the bottom of the hour. Gigantic event. Fight Island this weekend with Habib, who, of course, famously defeated Conor McGregor. McGregor back, we think, in January against Dustin Poirier, waiting for details, weight classes, all that with the UFC president. If you love MMA, mixed martial arts, Dana White on the way in 26 minutes. But on the way right now, a little football talk and a surprising QB switch to some. That's our man Damian Woody essentially saying, how do you bench a guy that goes 3-3 three and three for a rebuilding franchise He has been a good soldier everywhere he has been. The guy you want to replace him with is potentially coming off an injury that might need just a little bit more time to heal. But one thing many people have brought up this year in the NFL key, you might get special access because you know players, but this year with the coronavirus and the Zoom meetings, we're not seeing practice. It's common practice in local markets for the 32 NFL teams, the two in LA, the two Mm -hmm. in New York, the 32 teams, let's call it over 30 markets, you get to go. You get to watch practice. You get to film practice. You get to put it on your website. You get to show the fans on television, radio, the internet. This year, nobody is watching practice. Nobody has any idea how anyone looks. So maybe, just maybe, that's a situation where Tua looked a lot better than a lot of people may have thought because they haven't had a chance to see him. We'll get to the reaction of Fitz and Tua in just a moment, but is there anything to that? Maybe he's playing lights out. I remember a couple of years ago, people were saying, this Mahomes kid, I know Alex Smith is pretty good, but you got to see what this Mahomes kid is doing in practice. He's throwing left-handed passes, and suddenly you see it. I'm not saying Tua is Mahomes. I'm just I saying with, without our eyes seeing it, maybe Flores and company are seeing something we're not privy to. Yeah, but you can look great in practice, though, Zubin, right now. Practice is different. It's, you know, guys... Everybody's good in practice. Hell, the third-string quarterbacks are good in practice. That's just part of what practice is scripts. It's you go over there, you stand there, you run the route over here, he's going to throw it. It's all scripted. So, yes, but what you have to have is you have to have the confidence as the head coach and the talent evaluator that you that you could see this and understand how it could translate onto live fields with live bullets going to fly. You look at his tenure in the SEC. He's played big boy football. So it's not – you're not getting a guy who's coming from a small school, small town, and inserting him into the NFL and hoping that it works out. Mm. That, that's not the case with him. I mean, I'm sure he's making some great throws in practice. I'm sure he's his, his attention to detail is precise and he's on point. I'm 100% sure of that, or else they wouldn't make the move. A lot of people would question, three and three, why are you going from – a quarterback that has you in a position and potentially based on way things look, you can win the division. Maybe. I mean, chances are probably not. I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet that they probably would finish third in the division behind new England, Buffalo, Buffalo, new England. That's what I would be a betting man. And so when you look at coach Flores and the general manager Greer saying to themselves, we're setting ourselves up for the future. Yes. You can wait to the second to last game of the year and insert him into the lineup when you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, you could do that. But you also would now be going into the 2021 season not really knowing what you have at quarterback. Mm -hmm. At least if you have somewhat of a full slate of games that you could judge him on. Now, what if you leave Ryan Fitzpatrick in and they do win the division, they go to the playoffs or get a wild card or whatever, and they lose and Tua never plays. Now you're starting the 2021 season – 
with him fresh trying to learn the NFL. Well, if he is any good, maybe you stay the course with him, and that's Tua, at the starting spot over the next eight games, and you make the playoffs. Now he gets this experience plus possibly some playoff experience, much like Lamar Jackson did in his first year. So when you look at it, you got to look at it a couple different ways. All right, you you play Fitzy, who you know is not going to be your starting quarterback in 2021. No doubt. But you you want him to play the whole season? That, that doesn't make any sense. Fair enough, and I would agree with you from this particular point. We'll hear from Tua in just a second. Many of you may have heard the comments from Fitzpatrick yesterday that he was heartbroken. He was beside himself when he heard the news, especially because he had done everything he has done. The guy's made $71 million in the NFL, $71.5 So you don't feel bad for him? No, I don't think it's a money thing, but he's going to latch on somewhere else because he's always been a good teammate. He may be the backup there next year. Right, there's no doubt. And I'm also a big believer if if change is inevitable – just do it. If you know it's going to be Tua over Fitzpatrick because you drafted him at five, and you know it's going to be Herbert over Tyrod Taylor because you drafted uh, Herbert at six, just play them. It's what the Bengals are doing. I get it. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. What do they have to lose? They're going to play Joe Burrow from day one. But if it's inevitable and you know one guy is going to slide in front of the other, which is the reason you drafted the guy, just do it sooner rather than later. Delaying it to me doesn't do anything. Because Fitzmagic is not that far in front of uh, Tua Tungavalea. He's just not that far in front of him as a player. In fact, he may be behind him as a player in the coach's eyes. Shane Gailey, the offensive coordinator, may be looking at something and saying, you know what, we could take a giant leap with this kid at quarterback right now. We should do it opposed to waiting. And as far as, as, far as Rod get it, he's, you know, he's heartbroken and, and it doesn't feel good to lose your job. But, dude, you was going to lose your damn job anyway. Right. You knew that. You the knew. The second they drafted him. Exactly. You knew in April, eh, yeah, it's, it's not going to last for long. And remember you this. You beat the odds already. Right. Harvard, NFL, $71.5 million, team after you, team you after beat, team. You beat the odds. You, he, he's a serviceable backup quarterback in the National Football League, and that's who he is. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Nothing, man. And things have changed. When Key played, you could get into a situation where somebody like Carson Palmer is drafted run, number one overall. He sits the entire season but behind John Kitna, yeah. and then they say, all right, Carson, it's your turn. You just don't see that in the NFL anymore. Let's hear from Tua. So if Ryan Fitzpatrick was heartbroken over losing his job after going 3-3 three and three on the other side, there's got to be elation for Tua Tungavailoa, the era has begun in South Florida on how he heard he was the starter moving forward. I first heard about it from Coach. Uh, coach called me and told me the news. Um, as a player in the NFL, you're just trying to do your best to prepare every day you can. And when your opportunity is given, you know, it, it, it's given. You just got to be ready. I think that's a question for um, you guys to, to ask the coaches. Um because really, it's it's out of my control um, with the decision-making. And we should just mention, key for point of clarification, that yes, the Packers did draft Jordan Love, and he obviously is going to be sitting the entire season behind Aaron Rodgers. But the distance between Tua and Fitzpatrick may be nothing. The distance between Love and Rodgers is like a gulf. It's not happening. It's not even – I don't know why they did it. I don't know why they did it. I'm not even going to try to figure out why the Packers drafted Jordan Love. But all indications to me doing their training camp that Jordan Love shouldn't have been the pick at number one for the Green Bay Packers. Everybody that I've talked to that had a chance to see the Green Bay Packers training camp said, "Uh uh-oh, we just made a 
colossal mistake. Here's an anatomy analogy for you. It's neck and neck between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungabailoa, but Aaron Rodgers is head and shoulders above Jordan Love, light years ahead. But it is worth pointing out because he is obviously playing the long game in this particular scenario where the guys drafted in front of him are either now playing or are about to begin their starting career. Zubin be taking me to school, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right, go it's ahead. A little operation. Remember yeah, that game when we were kids? <laughs> very careful. Very careful. <laughs> Steady hand. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball World Series. The second game to change, courtesy of our Jessica Mendoza. She pinpoints the spot after we go from A to Z. From A to Z. And from A to Z, straight to the NBA. The Pelicans have hired Stan Van Gundy as their head coach. He's the seventh coach in franchise history. He's 61. Much like his brother, he was coming off work as a television analyst. Here's Woj on why the Pelicans decided this was the right choice. What they wanted for that team was a teacher. And you have a combination of some very talented young players. Obviously, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. This is a team that can make a jump into the playoffs. That was important. His ability as a teacher. You think this is a good move for Stan Van aligning with a young kid like Zion Williamson? I think it's a great move. And you saw where Woj said, hey, they need, they're looking for a teacher. And they found one in him. You think about the Dwight Howard days in Orlando where he was young and they wind up getting things done with Dwight, although the relationship soured over time. I don't believe that'll happen with Zion. Or you look at the Blake Griffin situation in Detroit. Didn't do well, but he had that type of body style player in Detroit. When you look at Dwight Howard, kind of those two guys mixed together is Zion. Houston and OKC are still looking for head coaches. Let's go to Major League Baseball. Jess Mendoza will be with us here in just one minute. But the Dodgers, Keys Dodgers fall into the Rays. The series even at one apiece. This is an off day, a rare off day in the MLB playoffs. Only the fifth off day since the postseason got started. Game three tomorrow night. Walker Bueller, Charlie Morton on the respective mounds. 7.30 Eastern pregame coverage on ESPN. Dodgers skipper Dave Roberts confident in the arms they have coming. We feel great. We've got Walker going, uh, we've got Julio going, and then we've got Clayton. So, and if you look at kind of where our relievers are set with the off day tomorrow, we're in a great spot. Urias, Kershaw. I don't need to say anymore. Dave said exactly what I was going to say. We, we start with Walker on the mound, then we get to Julio, then all of a sudden we got Kershaw on a lot of rest where the way he dealt in those six innings two nights ago was phenomenal. And I think that this is what you're going to see with Walker. Now, Walker Bueller is going up against uh, Charlie Martin, which is a phenomenal pitcher within his own right. But we got some bats and we know where we're at. We know the type of team we are. We've been in this somewhat of a position before where things were tied up and we had to pull out of it. And it's a great point you make about Clay in game five, because obviously the World Series is the first round of the playoffs that actually has off days. Some of the other schedule off days were like when series came to an end and they were moving from one round to the other. So to not have to pitch somebody on Clayton Kershaw on short rest to have the off day and he can be scheduled to go when he normally is for a guy of his age would be great, especially after the game one performance. And his confidence is bubbling. I, you know, I saw him on last night with Joe Buck in, in calling the game and they interviewed him and you could just see where he was like, yeah, I'm Clayton Kershaw. Now what? Absolutely. He had been rather ornery after some postseason starts in years past. Let's head right to the Shell Pennzoil performance line to bring in Jessica Mendoza. Speaking of the World Series, she's all over it with Dan Schulman, Chris Singleton, Buster Only, and Jess, quite the quartet on the call on ESPN Radio tomorrow again, 730 Eastern. Jess, let's get right to it. Every game has that one moment where the game changes and everything flips. What was that moment for you last night? 
It was the eighth inning. I mean, Zubin, you, you look at Corey Seager leading off that inning with a home run. Justin Turner follows with a double, and it's like, here we go. Here we go. Here's that Dodgers offense we have seen for the last three months. But Tampa Bay's biggest asset is being able to go to guys in the bullpen. So they bring out Aaron Loop, the lefty specialist, funky crossfire, drop-down sidearm to face Cody Bellinger. Cody, I mean, just within that bat, five pitches, he's trying trying to battle off, trying to, to be able to just to get something. And this is, this is he hasn't even seen Aaron Loop before. He ends up striking out on a fastball 95, pretty middle, but it shows you the funk. It shows you the, the guys that can come out of the bullpen for the Rays. That was the difference in the game. You felt like this was the Dodgers offense about to come, but Tampa Bay one step ahead with their bullpen. Jessica, how did Kevin Cash bullpen usage in game one set everything up for him in game two? he was able to have he calls them the stable of horses right his three main dudes so you keep hearing okay tampa bay's bullpen right well let me give you three names that are just ridiculous when you talk about arms coming out of the bullpen by the way pete fairbanks hitting 100 miles an hour to get chris taylor in the seventh inning huge nick anderson another big arm also can throw 100 miles an hour he got justin turner back in the fifth inning to be able to end that inning and then diego castile right there to close out the game he came in for one batter he had a nasty slider probably the best slider you will see in the postseason those three guys remember their names because they are the best for Tampa Bay talking about a guy that got out of the dugout Brandon uh, it's Brandon Lowe or Brandon Lowe Lowe yeah Brandon Lowe became the first player in World Series history to hit two home runs on opposite ends uh the other night what does that say about the concentration well let's let's remember he was batting a hundred 107 coming into this game. This is their best hitter, Keyshawn. And for him to be able to go opposite field, not once but twice, once on a fastball, the second time impressed me the most. Why? It was on a breaking ball. Mechanically, he was pulling off of everything. That's why he didn't have the numbers that he's been struggling. Kevin Cash insisted. In fact, he was questioned by media heading into this game. Why is Brandon Lau still hitting second in this lineup? And what did Kevin Cash say? He's like, I have confidence in our best hitter. He's going to come around. People laughed, two home runs, but to me, Keyshawn, it's the mechanics. There's a reason why no player has ever hit two opposite field home runs in the World Series. It's hard to do. I bet you it is. So we're going to send Walker Buehler to the mound. They're going to send Charlie Martin, not to confuse it with the steakhouse, uh, in game three. But what should people watch for early in this matchup? You're going to see the best fastball in the game in Walker Buehler's. You're going to see the best curveball in Charlie Morton. So between those two, this is the matchup that I was looking for. Yeah, we had Clayton Kershaw going against Tyler Glass now in game one. All the hype. But Walker Buehler, let's be real, he's the ace of this team. He is the best pitcher on this staff. He's why the pressure is not on Clayton Kershaw. Electric fastball. You want to see swag and confidence? You think Kershaw was bubbling over with it? Buehler has never hesitated with his swag and his confidence. But remember, he is going against Charlie Morton, who is 5-0 in this postseason, the best pitcher for this Tampa Bay Rays team. And what has been the Achilles heel for the Dodgers offense? If you could pick one thing, it's that Uncle Charlie, the breaking ball. And that is what Charlie Morton has. Dodgers are 5-for-25 on that pitch. And Tampa Bay, they can hit the fastball, even though Walker Buehler's got the best one. Did you, did you, you saw that, right, with Kershaw last night? He was just like, yes. he, was, he was feeling himself. I like that. <laughs> no, it was. I like it, Z. 
No question about it. There's some intangibles there. And as I mentioned, after some rough postseason starts over the years, he's been ordinary with the media. But last night, you could see he proverbially let his long hair down. Last thing for you. Let's extrapolate. Look ahead with game three and possibly even a game seven next Wednesday. Key doesn't want to hear that. He's going Dodgers in five. The key for each team from a more macro sense moving forward, Jess. For Tampa Bay, it's it's what we talked about earlier. You know, it's it's the fact that their bullpen has to get set up the right way against this Dodgers team. But honestly, it's Brandon Lau. Those two home runs told me, okay, okay, this is going to be a series. Because by the way, Randy Rosarena is not cannot be the only guy for Tampa Bay's offense. He's what three fifty seven, and everyone else is like a buck eighty three. That's not going to work. So for Tampa Bay, the key is that other guys have to hit. They showed that in Game Two. For the Dodgers, I mean, they've got the team. They've got. They, they're a more talented team. The talent's just got to rise. Keyshawn saw with Clayton Kershaw. He's got to continue to do that in his next start. And then guys like Cody Bellinger, they can't strike out looking in huge moments, continue throughout the series if they want to win. I, I, real quick, I, before I let you go, um, what happens if the Dodgers go 2-1 down? What, what starts to happen in the narrative of Coach, uh, Coach Skipper Robinson? You know, I feel like he is so under the, the – everyone blames him. And, and you know this, Keisha, I mean, because you're a, you're a Dodger fan. You hear the noise in L.A. Anytime there is a bad start, especially when it has to do with Clayton Kershaw, it is all Dave Roberts' fault. I feel like he is somebody, what he's been able to manage, platoon, everything. And, oh, by the way – it's not him. It's the entire front office along with Dave, Dave Roberts, the combination of everyone making those decisions. But you're right. If they go down 2-1, but more importantly, if they don't win, I'm not concerned if they go down 2-1. I think they can lose that game three. I do ultimately think they win the World Series. That's all that matters. 2-1, 1-1, however they get there is what the Dodgers need to do is win it all. Yeah. That's a great point. We should mention Dave Roberts was one of the heroes of the 2004 postseason when he stole that base and led that amazing comeback. And now here he is in the dugout looking to make the magical moment of the 2020 postseason, but doing it with a lineup card. Jess, we will see you. Let's go, Dodgers! (laughs) Keep it objective. Keep it objective. We'll see Jessica. He says we. We. It's, it's like the Lakers. We deal with this all the time, Jess. We will see you, Dan Schulman, Chris Singleton, Buster Only, on the radio tomorrow night, pregame coverage 730. Great to have you with us this morning. Thanks, Thanks a lot, guys. Jess. See, I don't have to worry about it because I'm never sitting in a press box. So, <laughs> No cheering in the press box. That's like the number one rule. I, 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 don't have to, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to a press box. Neither is any other reporter right now in 2020. <laughs> Last thing I want to just quickly mention for she mentioned Pete Fairbanks. He was actually on the mound uh, when they eliminated the Astros in Game 7 over the weekend, he's had two Tommy John surgeries. He, along mm. with Diego Castillo, that's such a raised player, right? Nobody's heard of him. Two Tommy Johns coming up clutch. On the way next, Habib, Fight Island, and what's next for Connor? UFC President Dana White is here after we have this word from Pennzoil. Here's the fact for you. Not all synthetic motor oils are created the same. Crude oil is like a bag of mismatched rocks, all different sizes and shapes coming together. Natural gas is more like a bag of marbles, all uniform in size and shape, designed to work together, reducing friction in your engine. That's why when Pennzoil reinvented motor oil, they started with natural gas, not crude. Pennzoil synthetic base oil is 99.5% free from the impurities you'd find in crude oil. So the next time you need to change your oil, remember to ask for Pennzoil synthetic motor oil made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Amazing. A guy that was hitting a buck seven, 107 in the playoffs, came up with the two biggest hits of his career. And Brandon Lau has made Dodger fans feel low because he has evened up the World Series with two swings of the bat, going oppo twice. We got a series. It's one apiece. They'll take off today. Walker Bueller, Charlie Morton, Game 3, ESPN Radio, 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the pregame could be a game seven. We'll have every single game leading up to next Wednesday if it gets there. If it gets there, can somebody sign Antonio Brown? He's eligible to return after week eight. A reminder, week seven begins tonight with the Giants and the Eagles. More on that in a second. Next week, week eight, he could possibly be out there for week nine. Seattle seems to be the front runner, according to our own Adam Schefter. And as I mentioned, the Eagles and the Giants kicking off week seven of the NFL season on Thursday night football there's nothing good to say about this game. What did your mom say? If you have nothing good to say, say nothing. But I will mention one thing. The winner will have two wins and wake up tomorrow tied for first place with the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East seven weeks into the season with two wins. And SportsCenter is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You need the best coverage and not just football, but your wireless network too. Straight Talk Wireless gives you the same networks as big carriers for up to half the cost, 45 bucks a month for 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Cannot wait. It's champion versus champion at UFC 254 on Fight Island when Habib Nurmagomedov takes on Justin Gaethje coming this Saturday, October 24th. Special start time of 2 Eastern. We'll explain that in a second. Only on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. UFC 254 exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $64.99. Visit ESPNPlus.com slash PPV for more details. Uh, For those unfamiliar, Kia, they're going to hold this at Fight Island. This is the second go-around for Fight Island. Essentially, they couldn't hold some of these bouts in the United States. The state of Florida was ready to welcome the UFC, but many other states would not. The UFC president, Dana White, who will be with us in just one second, said, I'm going to move the fights to someplace we can have them. He moved them to Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, and he said they just built a $100 million complex in Las Vegas where the UFC is based. It's called Uh the Apex. And he said, if I knew how safe we would be on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If I knew how welcoming people were going to be, yeah, it's hot, yeah, we got to hold it in the afternoon, yeah, there's sand around, all that sort of stuff. If I knew how great Fight Island was going to be, 
He said this slightly facetiously. I wouldn't have built our $100 million complex in Nevada because it has been this great. You can say whatever you want about the UFC. All the other sports stopped. Disney, the Walt Disney Company, did have the UFC halt some events when the coronavirus was at its worst spot earlier this year, understanding it's flaring again. But for the most part, this was an organization that said, we are going full speed ahead. We are holding events. And I got to put Dana's feet to the fire when he said it. He backed it up. He walked the walk and talked the talk. That that facility looks nice. You were watching it there yeah, on ESPN that, News. That looks, the facility looks really, really nice. But he did it the right way. And when you when you do it the right way, you get positive outcomes, right? That is the way the NBA did it. They went to an exclusive location in a bubble, and they got it right. They were able to finish the season. And just look at the, how beautiful – that is for their facility for the UFC over there. You know what thing that's really interesting about what they did with UFC? The night before a fight in Florida, they had a guy named Jacare Sousa. He's a middling sort of fighter, a talented guy. He's a father. He needed the money. He needed to take the fight. His name is Jacare Souza, and the bat was going to be on a Saturday. Uh, Friday night, I'm doing SportsCenter. Stephen A. Smith calls in and says, I got big UFC breaking news. This kid, Jacare Souza, has tested positive, and guess what? The card still went on. Obviously, Sousa did not compete, but from a contract tracing perspective, you got all the fighters, their teams, the media, the camera guys, everybody putting, involved in putting the event together. The UFC was the first organization to say, you know what? We got a positive test, and we're going to go ahead. Look at the other sports. What happened to the Marlins, the Cardinals? What happened in the NBA with Gobert? The second these things happened, the other sports got super cautious, pulled back. The UFC was the first sport to say, if we stop every single time there's a positive test, we will never, ever get anything done. Essentially, the sports version of learn to live with this. We are not going to shut everything down. We're going to isolate this individual, make sure he's safe. But the night before a big fight, positive test, Stephen A breaks it, card goes on. And in no small part, in my opinion, Key, the other sports looked at that and said, yeah, we're a little different from UFC. Dana's a little different from Silver, Goodell, Batman, and Manfred. But they said, we can make this work with a positive test. They may not give the UFC credit, but they saw it and they remembered it. A little different though, right? Because you got one, two, three, four people around opposed to 50, 60, 70 people in, on a team in a building where maybe there's your sparring partner, your trainer, and maybe a couple other people in your entourage. Outside of that, how many people in one collective you know, area and group in the UFC opposed to some of the bigger leagues? And the UFC did it. They've done it right, and they're rolling on it. It's a pleasure to have UFC President Dana White join us this morning on the program. Good morning, Dana. We're getting ready for Habib and Gaethje Saturday. Uh, what should fans expect from this fight with these two dudes talking the junk they have? Yeah, you know, actually, this one's been pretty respectful between these two. These two both respect each other. You know, Habib, this fight for him, he's on his way to being the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world, Uh, obviously the best 155-pounder of all time, and possibly, you know, the goat of the sport. He's 28-0. He's undefeated. It's so hard to go undefeated in this sport. And what makes this fight so big and so interesting is Justin Gaethje. He's 22-2. This guy has... Uh, MMA style wrestling, wrestling that is that, that is you know works for this sport, and he has dynamite in both hands. People believe that Justin Gaethje is the man who can dethrone Habib Nurmagomedov. What's up, Dana? How you doing, man? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing good. Hanging in. Can't wait. Let me ask you this question: Why? Why? Uh, why are the fights starting at 2 p.m. East Coast time rather than the normal prime time slot? 
So what happens is every time we put it up, first of all, this is a global sport now. We're, we're in every country all over the world on some form of television. And these poor people, listen, I've been living it. I've been living it over here on Fight Island for five weeks. You know, have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to start watching uh, these events. So for this event over here in Abu Dhabi and, and for the rest of, of, of Europe and the rest of the world, we're doing it prime time here for them. Mm. What, has been the, what has been the key to success, though, over on Fight Island? Um, you know, the bubble. We're literally in the greatest bubble ever built uh, in the history of building bubbles. You know, the, the restaurants over here are unbelievable. The hotel that we're in is insane. The attention to detail that these people have, the service level that they have. It, it's, ask anybody from employees to fighters to fight camps, anybody who's been over here, they'll tell you it's been the most amazing experience ever. I know Dana had mentioned that had he known how great Fight Island would be, that $100 million palace you call the apex in Vegas might not have even been built if he knew how great they'd be taking care of you over there. You mentioned Habib, of course, he's most well-known for defeating Conor McGregor. Connor, there's a lot of talk here, Dana. I know you've been talking here in the last day or so. Poirier, January, maybe at the home of the Cowboys. The weight classes have been discussed, 155, 170. What can you tell us about the return of Connor in January that's firm? There seems to be so much floating. Yeah, um, listen, this thing, if this fight's going to happen, it's at 155 pounds for sure. Um, you, you know, if you look at uh, you know, where these guys sit in the rankings right now, uh, it, it doesn't make sense anywhere else. you got Dustin Poirier, who's ranked number two in the world, Conor McGregor, who's ranked number four in the world, um, you know, Gaethje's number one in the world, and him and Habib are fighting this weekend. We're going to find out, you know, who, who gets a shot at Habib next. So, yeah, no, it has to be at 155 pounds. Dallas, Texas Stadium, I, you know, we've been talking to them for years about doing a fight over there. I'm not doing a fight in the United States unless we can have the full crowd back. If we can sell out a stadium – then I'll do it. Um, other than that, it would be either on Fight Island or at the Apex okay, in Las so Vegas. That's some interesting news we'll have to look forward to. Last thing for you, I've always mentioned this. You mentioned this was a global sport. I've talked to you over the years on SportsCenter, and we've discussed this from a macro level. But now that the sport is just continues to grow by leaps and bounds, what is the one country, one place in the world, when the coronavirus uh, subsides, if and when it does, what's the one place UFC hasn't staged a card that is your holy grail? My holy grail around the world where we haven't been yet. Um, let me think. I, you know, obviously you start looking at places with, with massive populations like, like India and, uh, you, know, you know, there's still places in, in, in China that we haven't held an event yet. So, and, and we have a Chinese world champion. So, as, you know, one of the things when you run this business right now, in, in, uh, we have a champ from New Zealand. We have a champ from Australia. Um, we have a champ from Russia, um, you know, uh, China, uh, Kamara Usman is, is from Africa. So, you know, we, we have a lot of interesting places that we, we could put fights on. As you said, that's probably when you reel off those lists of champions, if that doesn't tell you it's a global sport, nothing will. The eyes of the world on UFC 254 available on ESPN plus this weekend. Dana, thank you so much. We'll talk to you down the line. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. That's UFC President Dana White. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Dana and all of our guests appear on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Again, you can order the fight. Available on ESPN Plus for subscribers for $64.99. ESPNplus.com slash PPV for more. Fight Island is a spectacle in and of itself. On the way, OBJ. 
on Tom Brady. I dare him. Getting a lot of blowback, but Key is here to defend his fellow wide receiver (laughs) and passionately. That is next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. To go, it's a last second thing. It, sort of the connotation is it ain't a big thing. Let's just get it in before we get out of here. But this is a big thing because <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. has decided to sound off. He wanted to let everybody know, I'm going to be me and don't get on me for being passionate or upset or emotional or fiery if this isn't going to be the rule for everyone. Take a listen to this, especially at the end when he references the GOAT. I'm and at this point, I really don't care to keep trying to make myself look like a good guy into the world and all that because I am who I am. I got pulled out of the game. The coach said this was the best decision. It's eight minutes left. And for me, I'd rather take my like a man I'd rather take my win the same way I want to be out there to the last whistle competing I mean as you know Dallas game in the first quarter I got tackled stubbed my toe uh into the ground kind of had this lingering turf toe issue so if I'm not going to play I'm not going to stand there with cleats on the sideline and my toe be jammed in there but at the same time I never want to come out of the game win lose I don't care for up 50 down 50 I don't ever want to come out of the game and that's always going to be my mentality I'm kind of over trying to play the right thing because I love them to death, but there's people who have plenty of rings and consider the GOAT and they do things on the sideline and and they get away with it. And it's classified as passion because they may have something behind their legacy or whatever it is. And to me, bro, we love this that much. It means that much. There's no way around it. I don't care if I have zero rings, 12 rings, 20 rings. I I love this game of football and I'm not going to keep doling myself for the world to feel like I'm mature or whatever word you would like to throw around it. I'm always going to be me and tired of losing, tired of losing the good teams and just ultimately want to win. And one day um, when it's all said and done, we'll all clearly see that. But in the midst, in the meantime, while we're in it, I'm sure we won't. So I just keep pushing forward. It's not going to bother me anymore. Key? 100. I love it though. I love the fact that he said, hey, I want to win. I'm tired of losing to good teams. I, I, I want to help my team win. And it's true. It, it's, it's facts, man. No matter what anybody's saying. I know people out there, they want to say, oh, Tom Brady had. And he's talking to Tom Brady. Absolutely. He's talking about Tom Brady. The goat, the, the rings. The goat, the rings. We, we get it. Yes. But 
What's funny about it is people will look at Tom Brady on the sideline, like OBJ saying his passion, and he's doing it for his team. He's talking to his teammates. He's fired up. All OBJ wants is the football. You don't know that. You don't even know that man. So stop sending that out there. The man just told you he want to win. I lived it myself on the sidelines. Whenever I had something to say, I said it on the sideline in the locker room, and people would say, oh, look at him. He's ranting. What a wild guy he is. How could you deal with that? But Tom Brady could slam down the iPad. He could slam the helmet down, and nobody says nothing to him. And the excuse is, well, he has six rings. He's the GOAT. He could do whatever he wants to do. When OBJ gets six rings, he, he can do that. Man, that's, that's almost said something, but that's not real. That's not real. If you if you're going to ridicule and criticize a guy for showing that level of passion on the sidelines and feeling a certain way, that rule should apply to everybody, man. It, it, everybody should. That should. When you're having this conversation, that should apply to everybody. You shouldn't be able to pick and choose who you apply that to. And that goes for all media because you see it in the games. Oh, he's really smart. Oh, he's the first one in, last one out the building. Oh, he's really slick. He's really tricky. You know, that guy, the reason he can do that is because he's smarter than the other guys. Hey, come on, man. We get it. We know what it is. Black wide receiver, white quarterback. Let's call it what it is. Double standard yourself. It's a double standard. Let's call it what it is. We've been dealing with this for a long damn time. And it's not just the receiver position. I'll take up for anybody when I know their passion and it's right. OBJ, if you're winning and you go into the Super Bowls and you're doing that sort of things, you feel a certain way. When I'm contributing, I feel a certain way. When, you, when I'm not contributing, I can't help the team, and you're paying me $16, $17 million a year, I feel a certain way. I don't feel like I'm being utilized and I'm worth my money. I want to help, period. That is the reality of it. But people don't want to believe that. I was looking at and I hate social media, but Evan, our producer, was telling me, you know, basically, hey, take a look at our social media. Look at the comments. People on there, the people really crazy, man. They really believe that all OBJ care about is catching a football. If he had 10 for 150 and they lost, you wouldn't, he wouldn't feel the same pain. That's a bunch of – it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So when you're watching Thursday Night Football a couple of weeks ago and the Bears lose to the – excuse me, the Bucks lose to the Bears – and Brady is out there with the helmet off, barking, I mean ranting and raving at his offensive line for not protecting him. When you just see that, knowing the background that you just gave me, and the announcers and the fans are like, wow, look at him. He's whipping him into shape. He wants to make sure this is his new organization. <laughs> yes, He's not going to tolerate this all stuff. All of that, Zubin, that's what they want to sell you to make you believe. Now, Tom Brady's doing that because he wants to win. Like OBJ. Like OBJ. Same thing. He's tired of getting his ass kicked by the defensive line. He wants to win. The same thing, OBJ. Eight minutes, you take me out of the game. I want to stay in the damn game so I can at least contribute. I can at least be a part of what we're doing. You don't take me out with eight minutes to go when we winning, but you want to protect me when we losing. So now people want to set the narrative when I feel a certain way and I go to the sideline. Zubin, you're six feet away from me. I am a living witness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust me. I am a living witness of it. People will say those sort of things and try to set a narrative about who you are, and it's not right. 
It's been 20. So you entered the league in 1996. So you've been dealing with it or watching it for the lack for basically a quarter century. A hundred percent. And to you, nothing has changed because these comments essentially came hours ago. If, if, if Cam Newton act that way, like Brady did, the first thing they would say is somebody should get Cam under control. He, he shouldn't be doing that to his offensive lineman. Those guys protect him. That's the voices, you know. Those guys protect him. He shouldn't do that to his offensive lineman. That's what they would say. They would honestly say that, and which is ridiculous. And essentially, we have seen it here with the Pats out to a 2-3 and three start for the first time since Brady's first year. Cam is actually <laughs> undergoing some of that criticism. He's it's trying crazy, to say, man. I barely practiced here the last couple of weeks. That's <laughs> like, kind of why we struggled. Like, exactly. Exactly. But the OBJ issue to me is just funny, man, because I've watched it. I've watched it, I've watched it, I've watched it, I've seen it. And I'm happy that he said what he said. Stay yourself, OBJ. Don't allow people to try to change you. Don't do it. Don't do it, man. Stay out of trouble. Don't get into off-the-field issues and be yourself. And they won't have nothing to say. I could use some other words instead of that. (laughs) But they won't have anything to say. Fair enough. Tomorrow morning on the show, plenty to say when we talk to damn Twitter, Archie Manning and Eduardo Perez as we get set for game three of the World Series. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at six Eastern on ESPN radio, ESPN news, or wherever you stream your audio.